intro on mine. You just have it. I like just fade, I, You just like fade yeah. it in with the. Yeah, there's a certain downbeat where I just like I feel like I'm like I've got like volts of energy and I'm ready to go. Well, that feels that makes it feel more live, right? If you just yeah. like have it come in to the uh you know the show as as just like it's just going we're just going that's it mm-hmm. feels like you're just that's the best way a lot of times musicians will do that they'll um hey everybody by the way hey everyone welcome <laughs> welcome to the show um welcome to cover to cover presents live with matt and derek um i'm derek hey and i'm matt yeah um so we were just talking about um what's it called live live <laughs> being live the essence of of live hoodness yeah live so music live, live records being live performing in general i suppose um and this is this is our show um we decided that we wanted to sort of in the in the in the in the in the current state of stuff that's happening matt you want to tell our our fine folks at home what's going on currently well well yeah i mean uh derek i think it's safe to say that um you know we sort of kicked around the idea of talking about the concept of live music and live performances because right now we're all hungry for some sort of connection with people and because everybody's uh, stuck at home Everybody's stuck at home. We're dealing, everybody around the world's dealing with COVID-19 and and all that comes with that. And, you know, we want to find ways of staying connected with people that we care about, that we love and the things that we treasure day in and day out. And one of those things for many, many people is having music as part of their life. And there's no better time right now than to appreciate things that make you happy and entertain you. And live music is one of those components. And like as live performing musicians, generally uh, we do this uh, for for a living and our entire living as well as many millions of other people's livings have just been completely shut down um it's yeah. it's like art has just at least performing art has just stopped with, with this idea of talking about live music we always we, we also wanted to delve into where live music began and some recording techniques that were used you know beginning believe in the 1880s right the first system for creating stereophonic sound using telephone technology was demonstrated by clement adder in paris in 1881 so it's the 1880s what's happening in the 1880s well it's you paris. have to telegraph well wait it's, it's paris it's paris so you're french uh-huh very cosmopolitan all right so you're 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 sitting in a place you have great health care mm-hmm. okay you're mm-hmm. probably smoking a cigarette. Um, mm-hmm. Great healthcare. Uh, mm-hmm. You're probably eating um, some sort of butter-based, egg-based, bread-based, cheese-based, meat-based thing. And and you want to listen to some music. What do you do? Well, you procure a ticket for yourself or a pair of tickets for your significant other. And you make plans to go to the theater. The theater. Yes. On whatever night it could be during the week. It could be a weekend. Was a weekend even kind of a thing back then? I mean, I guess, would you go to church to hear music? 
You could. I guess a lot of you mu- could. I guess a lot of music was probably church. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not. A, but it was a big outing. I'm one of no matter things. where you were in the world, you know. Right. It was an event, you know, you would watch people, you know, similar to, you know, the things that you see in movies, you know, in in the old West, when there's a performer coming through, you see them coming in on a carriage and it's a big deal. See, but like, I I know that this is the 1880s and I know that it's Mm -hmm. supposed to like, I'm supposed to think like the old West, but this is, this is Paris in the 1880s. So I'm still picturing like, like a Jacques Tati kind of like. But I'm envisioning somebody parading through the street that I'm going to be performing tonight and here I am. There wasn't that can they dividing, be on a unicycle? There wasn't that dividing they're, wall they're, between performer and and uh, an audience. Okay, member. but in my mind, they're they're on a unicycle and they're wearing clown Could. makeup. <laughs> okay, just go, just go with it. All right, all right, yeah, yeah. Let me have my things. <laughs> That's why we can't have nice things. <laughs> no, we can have nice things. I just want to put clown makeup on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, clown makeup, Paris, 1880. Clement Adder, Adder. If we if we we butcher this, it's because we're not. What's the word? Sophisticated, educated, sophisticated, sophisticated, proficient. Um, we are not smart, is the point. Um, but we definitely know how to uh, Google shit, and we looked this this stuff up for you. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. We, you you know, as part of our internet research uh exercise i guess uh i learned a new word here and that is palophotophone a palophotophone you've never heard a palophotophone. of a, a palophotophone before it's such a commonly used never rang a bell for me device uh it was invented in uh 1922 by uh charles a hoxie or hoxie is it hoxie or hoxie see again it's, ho- it's got to be hoxie got to be hoxie uh um, hoxie Let's talk about Charles A. Hoxie for a minute. So he demonstrated this in 1922. Um, it recorded optically on 35 millimeter film. So this is like recording to tape and stuff, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. This is just like recording to tape. Yeah. And that, you know, the idea of magnetic tape began in 1943 with stereotape recording. And, you know, you had access to music that was being uh, performed by yeah, jazz bands, Dixieland, big band. They were traveling. They were traveling around the country to different outdoor amphitheaters, and that was um, that was certainly a, a, a source of entertainment. You could see Benny Goodman perform. I bet that sounded awesome. Awesome. It was a dance. It was a dance party before that was probably oh you know a term. That was that was your night. You want to go dancing? Benny Goodman's coming to town, or Count Basie's coming to town. See, and that's they what would I'm come talking various about. Various piers by the beach. You know that, what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. Is that dance? That is what live music was, man. Like you'd go see a band to like shake your ass. You would go right. to move to like feel like alive mm-hmm. and yeah, like that's what dancing. Dancing used to be this like courtship thing that you would do or it would be Mm -hmm. like a display of you know whatever or it would just be like a thing that you did at parties and everyone would just get together and do a dance and yeah and and dance moves were invented and then were you know likely passed word of mouth you know song, the Charleston exactly and songs were written for those dances and dances were choreographed for those songs and it's it's definitely like a chicken egg thing. I mean, of course, all art is, but at some point, 
going to see shows just became standing there. Watch. But that type of communication now exists between the performer and audience. It's not audible. Sure, there might be a vocalist with a jazz band, but when it came to recording music and thinking about what the audience was doing mm. and simulating what the audience was doing, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. That that essence, though, that like let's go out and dance essence. I feel like that is mm -hmm. what was missing from a lot of early recordings is that you you put on a record and first of all, there's no bass unless you have a really good system. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, all, all you're doing is you're shaking your butt to to you know, like a like a, a trebly melody and it's not the same. And that's why I always like I feel like everyone has this image in their head, at least of our generation, when they talk about like like how people listen to music back in the day of just like people listening to just like a like a you know yeah like a sad it was more station stationary kind of experience yeah just like sit like pacing at home or tapping their yeah. feet and listening to the slow yeah. somber jazz blues mm -hmm. classical music the crank up the gramophone and yeah you know, sit in a chair yeah like <laughs> I feel like that essence of rock and roll, like let's, let's shift into rock and roll. Cause that came out of blues and like, you know, rhythm and blues and country and, you know, all of that. And that whole live experience of like moving and dancing and so many dances were invented specifically for rock and roll. I mean like rock and roll, you had to sell <laughs> rock and roll there were songs like like boogie woogie jazz bands would like get together and record rock and roll records promoting the music of rock and roll sure and what's the first dance you can think of when it comes to early rock and roll i mean the twist chubby checker yeah chubby checker man and that's just like that that you know that was it the 12 bar blues sped up with like boogie woogie piano right that's you know you, you know you think about johnny johnson's piano with chuck berry yeah you know and like that johnny was, johnson invented rock and roll exactly, in some respects exactly yeah. man and like that's the thing is like you have you have this this movement literally movement being the operative word of people going out and seeing this thing happening, this live experience. And then someone said, let's capture that. But it's like, you listen to those early rock and roll records and it's like, uh, mm. it's not this. Like I can, I can imagine you have to imagine, <laughs> mm -hmm. but like, of course you could back in the day, people used to listen to the radio to to, mm -hmm. to to watch movies <laughs> mm -hmm. that was there if there was something important in you know in the world happening right you gathered around the radio like they still had like they had movies in the 50s people could still go go to a movie but like they would also turn on the radio and imagine a movie and like they mm -hmm. would read a book and imagine a play <laughs> or imagine a crazy adventure somewhere else and like that's the thing is like 
technology, though it's great and streamlines everything. And like now I can just buy a computer for like, I don't know, two grand and just open it up and just plug a guitar into it basically. (laughs) Yeah. And just, and just, and just produce these things in, in, in a matter of minutes. I mean, look at what we're doing right now. Literally what we're doing right now. (laughs) We're speaking to each other through computers, through the internet, through the internet. But it's like, we're talking to each other side by side in the same room. And you know, what a time to be alive when you think about that, you know? Yeah. Interpersonal connection and communication has just, it, it, it's evolved in some pretty incredible ways when you feel completely separated by just people, places, and things that you care about, mm-hmm. you know? We're talking to each other, okay, we're talking to each other through computers, you know? We are talking to each other through, okay, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about how, like, those advancements, so, like, I guess on one hand I'm trying to say... Like, what is the thesis of this? What is the purpose of this? Is it to is it to 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 point out that rec- recorded music to a point isn't live, but is live? But like, I mean, now if you go see a live show, let's talk about that for a second. You go see a live show now. How much? How like what percentage of that is like actually happening? Like what you are hearing if you are in the room. What percentage of that is legitimately happening on stage and what percentage of that is happening through some sort of processing? Boy, it's hard to say. I, I know when I go to a show, I always <laughs> see if I can identify a laptop on stage. And well, I feel like... I, mean, I think part of the problem is can you identify the laptop that's off stage? Ooh, because it might be by the soundboard. It might be by the soundboard. It might be next to the monitor rig. It might just have its own rack just right next to the drum set, you know? Ooh. That's a really good point. We don't, you, you don't always know a hundred percent. Right. And it's like to, hmm. to a certain degree, like it, I understand doing that sort of thing, like processing live in the moment. Cause it makes it easier to on the performer. You don't have to dig in as much. If you're, you know, running a lot of compression, you can just, you know, play a little bit lighter and save your hands. I get that. You can, you know, if you're using triggers, you don't have to, you just have to hit them. Like, I get it. You can, it's a, it's a little bit theatrical and it is a performance. And I guess in, in that aspect, like that being a produced performance, like meticulously uh, mixed down as if it were in the studio, but just for, but just for those people I mean, I'm sure they, they keep the recordings. I'm sure that they record that. <laughs> like, there has to be a reason. Do you think in some of those situations, they're using those pre-recorded sounds as almost like a click track? Mm. I mean, I've done that a lot. That's There are a lot of times when there's just like automated things happening live that are just like textures that fill out the sound. And, do, and like, it, it does add to the experience. And I will absolutely attest that uh that is that is that is perfectly chill i think see i'm cool with mistakes i like mistakes i love too I, yeah i 
I like I like mistakes because there's that there's that human element there, whether it's with vocals or just, you know, you just happen to just move down to the seventh fret as opposed to the eighth. Just little little recoveries like that that sometimes an audience will pick up on, sometimes it won't. But it's always, I don't know, in that live experience, like I always I always appreciate artists that know how to recover. See, and there's you know? that there's that thing where or or if you want to talk about like the best recorded music like not live um because we really haven't talked a lot about live albums this episode we will by by the way we are going to cover a lot of live albums coming up in this series so stick around please um but it's definitely like like there's lots of records where like someone will come in with a guitar solo and like just before the solo ended they like their pick they dropped their pick and it hit the pick guard and bounced off and made like a weird like noise and like that was the take that they kept for some reason it's like because that was the one man and it's like okay mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, under, I let's let's try to like demystify that that was a mistake and you liked it in the moment and and that moment like it it, it added to a vibe that you had in the room and then you listened back and that vibe was still there like right and that's cool and 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 that's awesome that you made that choice but that was still a choice in the moment it was a mistake but the minute that you chose to keep the bad take that's a choice <laughs> bands like in the 80s and like in the 70s where like they'd be playing like a guitar solo and like they'd mess up one part but they'd keep it because it like made the guitar sound like you know and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, all the other takes, it's not supposed to sound like that. And you go see them live and that, that person never plays that mistake on that solo. It's always very clean <laughs> and it never sounds like the album. And it's because that was a mistake. But like, and I feel like that's part of that aspect. Like that's part of the thing that drives you to go. That's part of the thing that keeps you coming back is that, that like, oh, anything can happen. <laughs> right. Like somebody's amplifier could blow out Someone's amplifier or could blow out. he could break a string he could break a finger dave Grohl could fall off the stage and break his leg exactly they could have a heart attack and die that dude could od someone could jump yeah. on stage and 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 steal their guitar and and like rip a solo before security beats them to death like <laughs> sure anything yeah. and everything yeah. i want to keep running so many potential scenarios let's just keep let's just do 20 more minutes of those weird things that could possibly happen at a music venue uh weird thing number number seven the drum riser can fall just like one leg and then like the drum set slumps down the whole like show and just little by little incrementally like the drummer just falls off the riser i'm just kidding um I was like, what, when the hell did this happen? No, no, I'm just saying like, let's just, no, we're not. Yeah. We're yeah. not going to do that. Okay. But my point is <laughs> we're silly here. Yeah. My, my point is it's, it's, it's about, it's about selling the magic, you know? And I guess let's talk about that. I guess that's my thesis here is there's, there's a magical, there's a magical element to live music there's a magical element to to live performing where it's it's that perfect balance of control and chaos where like i have planned everything to an extent like i've planned everything up to the point of anything else can happen so like (laughs) you're basically like your plan is like backed up against a murphy's law wall 
Mm -hmm. But then you have to lean into that wall when you start the show. (laughs) And that wall is also your stage and it's supporting you. And anything that can happen will happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And and there's a little bit of that chaotic element. And so so in a sense, I guess it's that perfect little merge of, of live, raw, crazy, like chaotic, just just nonsense and controlled analytical perfection like like metronomic precise precision i guess are the words that i would use like that type of um and 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 like they're just blending together perfectly that is what you're trying to capture in a in just a studio recording correct correct yeah so just about every time i've gone into the studio yeah that's, so in in that's, a way you're trying to manufacture something that you can't fabricate. Uh, th- yeah. Which is true. witchcraft, right? We agree now that more or less the, that recording artists, <laughs> musicians, yeah. they're they're at least alchemists, if not witches. <laughs> There's some kind of weird sorcery going on. But that's my point is like you walk into a live concert venue and you're like, you either have that spell put on you where you just get sucked into the show. And like 25 minutes later, you, you forget that you've ordered like a bunch of fries and you're like six drinks in and like you got two phone numbers or you walk into the music venue and you're just like, eh, and you leave like, (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, it's one or the other. And I feel like you can have that experience with with all all things like, you know, you put on a movie and sometimes you get sucked in and then sometimes you're like 10 minutes in. You're just like, this sucks. And you turn it off and it can be a great movie. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so, Derek, one thing we wanted to, uh, you know, talk about a little bit was our first time, our first concert experience and the first time we ever performed live. So. What is your, you know, earliest or fondest memory of your uh, first concert experience? So, I mean, like, <clears throat> excuse me, there's there's a few. Oh, goodness. Um, wow. It's like every time anyone asks me a question, I'm just like, oh, I totally forgot everything that I was going to say. No, the first concert that I ever saw ever. Um, I'm trying to think what year it was. Uh. I want to say it was, it was very early. Like I was probably like four, three, maybe three or four. So it was either like 1989 or 1990. One of those years. Um, And my parents had taken me to see uh, one of those, like one of those, like, like, oldies radio station concert festivals with like a bunch of bands that like were like you know nostalgia acts at that point so this is like 1990 and these were bands that were popular like 1955 to 1970 so it's like (laughs) you know all of these all of these people are like 50 or 60 years old at this point like and they're still you know rocking and rolling but it's like it's just like oldies. This is like an oldies festival kind of a thing. And they took me, and I and I remember. I don't remember anything except uh, 
I remember two two events, and this is really really weird. Uh, I remember uh, looking down on the ground um, and finding a penny uh, while Jefferson Airplane was playing. <laughs> yeah, and I remember us leaving after they played Somebody to Love because that was like the end of. <laughs> I think they played another one after that when my parents were like, let's go. You're four. Let's, we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get this kid out of here before all these people leave because we got a kid. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> don't you want somebody? I was like fading off in the distance and I'm just like, okay, I'm coming with you guys. And then I found a penny. Like that was, that was my first concert experience. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Great, great with the soothing sounds of uh grace slick and grace paul slick. Cantor and yeah <laughs> marty ballon <laughs> uh so and then i mean like compare that to the first time that i ever performed i mean like are you talking the first show i ever played or yeah yeah first or show. Like, like like with a band or like or like performed I would say, how about performed? Just your first, you're, you're on a stage and there's an audience right in front of you. Oh God. That's like, yeah. Kindergarten. I was, I think I sang at my graduation from kindergarten in front of everybody. Huh? That, is that the level that you want to talk about? (laughs) We, we, we could go into that way back machine or, you know, when you had, you know, you say you had a bass guitar strapped over your shoulder or an electric guitar or something like that. And you were playing, you're playing all these shows memories where, now. Oh no. Oh no. The first time you, okay. How about the first live performance where you felt like you were on the cusp of being professional and oh, I'm saying God, professional was, in like air quotes. I mean, that would be like my first show ever where we're like my first show ever with my band. When we played at our community pool, I was mm-hmm. like, we're famous now. Like <laughs> we're awesome. I was, you know, I was like 13, or so uh and you know we were all just like <laughs> i think we played a lot of covers and like the 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 like six originals that we had maybe and like <laughs> uh i definitely remember us debating whether or not it was a good idea to jump into the pool with our instruments or not and we oh. decided not to because we couldn't afford instruments because we were 13 um so we were not rock and roll. We didn't trash our guitars hmm. like you, some rock and rollers. You preferred not to be electrocuted at your first show. I mean, I would have unplugged, but like the, the point, huh. the point wasn't to get electrocuted. The point was to like finish the set on like a big crashing chord and then everyone just run off stage and, and jump in the pool. And the, and the point was um, because you have to do that. If you're, if you're a 13 year old, playing your community pool and all of your friends are at the pool and you're the band on stage playing in the sun <laughs> when you're done playing you want to jump in that pool like the minute you're done and what's more rock and roll than like thank you good night and like taking off your guitar and then like stage diving into a pool full of people doesn't that sound epic right big time yeah yeah so what actually happened was it was like thank you good thank you good good night and like <laughs> You know, I awkwardly placed my guitar down and then like slowly walked toward the pool and like 
stepped into a pool with six people in it and like four of our friends are in the background like woo you know yeah <laughs> i feel like that was really it um but in my brain it was like one of those like 80s high school movies where like everyone's at the pool like the whole town is there and there's the principal oh he got mustard on his shirt everyone put him in the pool like you know <laughs> right <laughs> but, what it, but what it actually was was just like our parents going yay <laughs> and like <laughs> six of our friends being like uh-huh <laughs> right <laughs> So I would say they were very similar. I would think they're the same, you know, take a penny, leave a penny, or I guess take a penny, leave a pool. Nice. I don't, I can't, that was bad. I can't think of a way to wrap that up. Uh, Take a pull. What about you? What about you, Matt Tarka of Cover to Cover Conversations? Did we did we mention that this is a cover to cover presents podcast? Uh, cover to cover is gracious enough to be presenting this uh, very informative discussion uh, on live music for you. Yes. Uh, so thank you, Matt, aka Cover to Cover Conversations, Matt Tarka. Well, this is your my first fo- concert experience. I'm going to keep cutting you off, though. That's fine. Every time you try to say anything. <laughs> My. Okay. Okay. So. Go. So. Uh, my first concert experience. So I grew up in. I grew up in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and we had access to two venues. Okay. We had the arena, Hershey Park Arena. We had Hershey Park Stadium. And so much of what I could hear in my backyard um, was going on usually in the summertime at Hershey Park Stadium. So I was sort of virtually at a couple of shows like Bon Jovi in the late 80s, White Snake Kicks, a lot of you know what people like to refer to as hair metal bands these days, Aerosmith. Yeah, man. Yeah, the Grateful yeah, Dead brother. made an appearance in 1985 and all of their fans. All, oh, all yeah, the, you were on that tour? No. I was on that tour. All of those deadheads descending in 1985, sleeping, yeah. in, sleeping in people's backyards. Just It was just a real kind of, I don't know, it's just sort of a, 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 a wild situation where you're living in a smaller town and, you know, lots of, Different types of fans were were uh, were in the community at any given point in time, um, but my first my first concert experience was probably July twenty first of nineteen ninety five, and it was a three part bill. It was the band Live with from York, Pennsylvania, Buffalo Tom, and a British band uh, who's known as Catherine Wheel. Um, I believe Veruca Salt was supposed to be playing there as well, but they had to back out at the last minute. But that was probably my very first live show. First time I ever was in a really large mosh pit at Hershey uh, Park Stadium. Just quick follow-up question. Did yeah. you get to see Veruca Salt? No. Oh, I'm I so, have one of those. I'm so too. bummed. She was, yeah. They were, they were like one of the bands that I was looking forward to. I think they were supposed to open, and Catherine Wheel was brought on to support, and Buffalo Tom was sandwiched in the middle of those two. Oh man, yeah. I it went was, to see, I went to see Pearl Jam in uh, like 2000. It was like the day before our first day of high school, actually. So it was 1999, I guess. Yeah, um, 99 or 2000, I forget. Probably 2000, 2000, yeah. 2000. Yeah. So, um, 
but it was literally the day before our first day of school and uh pearl jam and sonic youth and oh. sonic youth is supposed to open and pearl jam is supposed to play and someone came out like right when sonic youth was supposed to play and they were like we're so sorry but sonic youth cannot be here tonight and we were like no and then eddie vetter came out and played for like two hours and did like a two-hour acoustic set and we were like, whoa. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being a little hyperbolic. I feel like it was two hours. It was probably like a 45-minute set. But it was a big chunk of time. And then Pearl Jam played their set. And then they played for like another half-hour encore. Like, and it was like they owned it. They just did the whole, the whole time. It was like Eddie and then Pearl Jam. And I had mm-hmm. never seen Pearl Jam. So that was quite a way to see them. And that was at uh, Merriweather uh, Post Pavilion. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, so like Sonic Youth and Veruca Salt, if they need to, <sighs> they need to play a show together, and we both need to go. Yeah, I I should say in this little town where I grew up too that uh, Gun Guns and Roses made their way in the late eighties, and I was awoken by that show. And what I mean by awoken is that. Axel was on just some crazy bender that night and he refused to go on stage and Guns N' Roses didn't show up until literally 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning. They played for about 15 or 20 minutes and then they were eventually kicked off the stage because they were breaking every single noise ordinance known to man in that town. That's amazing. (laughs) It was amazing. It was written up in all the local newspapers and they were, I believe, banned from performing in Hershey for many, many years. And I think they, I want to say that when they reunited, they were able to come back, but this was during that sort of wild legendary, you know, time of debauchery for him. Can we talk about that for a second? And, and why like that is a thing. Cause I've never, I've never had that desire. And I love, like I grew up like watching bands do that. Like what, self-destruct on stage. Yes. Yeah. Or just like just be assholes, just like break shit, trash hotel rooms, and like you know, destroy stages and smash guitars and show up late and not and like stiff people and like. <laughs> I I wonder if some of it has to do with this idea, and and it's pervasive through any you know any industry. <laughs> More often than not, is that you know, no press is bad press. I suppose. And- and the more the more noise we can make, the more people will be talking about us, and the more we'll be in the limelight, so to speak. So you think that's like like back in the day, like bands like trashing hotel rooms and being yeah. dicks and like stiffing waiters was yeah. like the equivalent of like yeah. Taylor Swift like beefing with Kanye West for sure, like stuff that you you know you read about these days at at the Hyatt House or what what was it called the Riot House back in the seventies, sure in L yeah something like that yeah I, yeah the Continental Hyatt House that kind of place yeah. I'm sure throwing TVs out the window, trashing hotel rooms. I, I feel like some of it, sure, people were people were just crazy and on their 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 wild, uh, you know, drug infused benders or or what have I'm you. I'm sure but, if you do research, you'll find like like you know, publicists paid for all the shit that they broke and like probably you know, yeah. news articles came out because yeah. of that. And yeah, like everyone you know, you know, journalists went on the road with bands because the bands were trying to be sold to, and it was like a thing and. Ugh. God it became damn. a talking point for journalists. Like, oh, we heard about what happened in that last town. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this band just 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 gave a snake of a vasectomy on stage. Yeah. Quick, go on tour with them. I want you My, to write everything they do. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, I mean, just another thing too. Hopefully, we can splice this in. But with my with my first live concert experience, like as much as I enjoyed live, it was their first proper North American tour after their uh, album Throwing Copper. Love yeah. that band to death for a couple of years, and then they you know, my interest sort of kind of wavered, you know, quite a bit, you know, towards the late nineties, but one band that's kind of, you know, that has stuck with me was experiencing Buffalo Tom from Massachusetts. I, I have become a completist in terms of all of, you know, all of their records that they've, you know, put out. Um, it's, I, I guess I would just say from a live music perspective, if you're going to see a headliner, no matter if it's in a club or if it's in a uh, you know large stadium full of you know with 25 30 50,000 people catch the opening act or catch a, a, a band in the middle because they could be a band that you you know that you really connect to hardcore mm-hmm. for years to come you know yeah, I, it's I, supporting you know some of those more independent minded bands that might be on a smaller label go see go see them i i go can't see them. Tell you, you never many- you never know yeah. yeah, I can't tell you how many bands I've discovered like seeing headliners and then like catching the opener and then being blown away by the opener. Yeah. And then when the headliner's done, I'm like, yeah, that was cool. I'm going to go yeah. check out that opener's merch table, though. Yeah. The opening notes of Buffalo Tom said, I think it was, they were playing, I want to say it was a song called Tangerine off of Sleepy Eyed. Completely fell in love with that band after the first couple of notes. It's like, holy shit, this is, yeah, I'm in. That's I'm in. A, period. That's yeah. A that's a yeah. beautiful story. Yeah. Um, all right. So you get a beautiful story. So about the first show that you ever, ever, for show, um, ever played. I I would I think so. I was in a it was in a high school band. Um, we were Matt in between Tarka and the high school band. Yeah, <laughs> we were. Yeah, we were in between two names at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Uh, we were called the Generators and. Talgy Wood, Talgy Wood was uh, an Alice in Wonderland reference. In any in any event, uh, we were playing a whole series of classic rock covers. Some were Neil Young tunes, Grateful yeah. Dead, The Trogs. Um, but we were playing in a high school cafeteria, and uh, it was cool. It was kind of like yeah, it was like a uh, it wasn't a talent show. It was more like a variety show where you had three or four different stages within the confines of a cafeteria and you would have one band playing and yeah. then, you know, that, that band would play one song and then, you know, some, you know, imagine you're watching this on television and then cameras would pan over to a completely different stage that, where there was another band, another high right. school band setting up. And then there might be another like section of the cafeteria where it was more like solo, solo acoustic and somebody was performing there. So you really just tried to cover a lot of ways and strip down ways that you could listen to live music. So that I believe that was nine, like fall, winter, 96 or something like that. It was, um, yeah, it was kind of like a, like a variety show. So, uh, yeah, it was, that wow. was, uh, that was really kind of cool. And, you know, we had probably, I would say five or 600 people's attention, that was just really locked in to see what their, you know, what their classmates were up to tinkering away with covers in their basement and the occasional, the occasional original song, but it was, I think it was mostly people just trying covers out. Of course. That's the best. I, I can't tell you how many of those I played and watched and like every single time it was always just the best kind of shit show. Yeah. It just, 
like it's it's always it's earnest people trying hard that's (laughs) it that's it and i guess that's talent at that point like yeah that's i guess that's raw talent being exposed and some some people at talent shows are straight up amazing at what they do and some people are like (laughs) yeah trying to do a thing to yeah it's good that they tried you said it, man. The earnestness is... Uh... It's earnest people trying shit. And like, right, right. But that's that thing. That's that raw element. That's what makes talent shows important. That's, that's what puts butts in seats is people because anything can happen. You might get someone who gets on stage and is like, oh my God, they have the most beautiful singing voice. And then the next person gets on stage and is like, that guy tried to pull a rabbit out of his hat, but he just ripped the rabbit's head off. <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs> and then you throw up and I'm going to delete that by the way. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yes, I am a little behind the scenes. Will I, won't I will stick I, around I? and find out Yeah, audience that isn't here. <laughs> 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 I miss people. Um, all right. So I think that's good, right? I think so. Yeah. That that logically trail off into a place. Yeah. All right. So I think I think we can kind of call it quits right there for episode one. That's pretty good for episode one, don't you I think, think? I think so. Yeah. All right. Um well I want to thank everyone for listening. Um Matt, do you have anything to say to the nice people? I only, you know, stick around for uh, for episode two which we're going to be releasing, you know, these uh, episodes as part of this series on Tuesday. So uh, be here. Yeah. We'll, we'll te- we'll te- yeah. We'll tease you a little bit on social media. Um, feel free to hit us up on the Twitter and on the Instagram. We will post that stuff in the description um, if we can. And, uh, you know, uh, let us know how you're doing. Reach out. Let us know that you're, uh, getting this and let us know uh, that you're okay. We hope that everyone's safe. We hope everyone washes their hands and stay the fuck home. Listen to WHO. Listen to CDC. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you guys so much for listening. Check out Cover to Cover Conversations and uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cover to Cover Live. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Matt. I mean, back in the day, those recordings used to just be like a microphone or just like an open source in a room Mm -hmm. and it would just track the room and that was the sound you got. So it was like, you know, you know, like that was a a cover to cover original right there. (laughs) Cut that, release that. Copyright 2020. Charge a dollar 29 for that. Um, I wish I had a kazoo right now. (laughs)